Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's pray. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you have given us. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here today. And I pray that he will breathe on these simple teachings, Lord, but make them so profound in people's lives. I thank you, Jesus, for all you offer us, for all you've done for us. We acknowledge and bless you this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, our theme for the month is enough. So what do we think of when we think of enough? My dictionary says, Enough is as much as necessary, as much as is sufficient for the purpose, adequate. But who determines how much is necessary and what is adequate? Watch the video clip. sure many of us remember that movie. But how many of us grew up with this feeling that someone or something out there determined what's enough and we dare not ask for any more than what life deals out to us? But thankfully, we serve a God who is a God of more than enough. In Ephesians 3.20, we read, Now to him who is able to do far more, abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Some of us may remember we used to sing a song here. He's the God of abundance. He has more than enough. And Peter tells us in his second epistle that God gives us all things we need both for our natural and our spiritual lives. But it's like he gives them to us as a wrapped gift that we need to unwrap and then use. There is always something we need to do to receive God's benefits. He gives us more than enough so that we can share his blessings with others. This morning I want to look at just six things. We could spend all year talking about the things that God gives us more than enough of, but just these six things this morning that he gives us enough of But remembering that his enough is not just a meagre dole out, but an infinite supply. The first thing and the most vital thing God offers us enough of is pardon. I think people who haven't yet received God's pardon often make either of two mistakes. They might think, hey, I'm a good person. I've never done anything really bad. I've never hurt anybody. Or alternately, they think that they are so bad that God could never forgive them. 
Romans 3.23 tells us that everyone has sinned and is far from God's saving presence. Likewise, Isaiah 53 says, All of us were like sheep that were lost, each of us going our own way. But the Lord made the punishment fall on him, the punishment all of us deserved. We all need pardon and God, through Jesus, has made it freely available to us. So how do we receive this pardon? Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Then in the New Testament age, we find Peter explaining to the crowd gathered on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.38, Repent, each of you, and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Likewise, John tells his readers, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we must seek God, call on him, which just means to pray, repent of and confess our shortcomings and determine to forsake or turn away from them. You can do this right now if you've never done it before. It's such a simple thing that many people fail to see either its importance or its significance and power. We simply acknowledge our need of God's pardon, even if our sin is just so much pride that we fail to acknowledge him in our lives. We just need to ask forgiveness and receive that pardon that he offers us. If, if you've never done that and it's something that you'd like to do, I'd like to invite you right now to repeat this simple prayer. You don't have to wait till the end of the service. We can do this right now. I want you to repeat this simple prayer and I'm sure others who've already done it will join in to encourage you. Say these words after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my need of pardon. I thank you that through the sacrifice of Jesus, I can have a fresh start. I can begin a new life in relationship with you. Forgive my sins. Free me from their power over my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or again after being away from God for some time, then we'd invite you to go and visit the hub that Jeremy mentioned earlier in our foyer after the service. Or you can simply text the word yes to 04888826392 or register at yes, metro, sorry, yes.metrochurch.org.au if you need to, there's these little cards outside that you can take one also from the hub and you might want to think about it and say at a later stage, yes, I do want to receive God's pardon. 
congratulations if you just did that because you've now entered into a relationship with your Saviour Jesus and you have indeed received pardon. We don't need to feel anything. We just need to trust God's word that we've done what he said and he does what he says. So God says when we freely receive, we should freely give. So now he wants us to extend pardon to others. Matthew 6, 12, in the Lord's Prayer, he invokes us to pray that well, God will forgive us as we forgive others. Then in verses 14 and 15, it takes it a step further. I love the way the message version, version phrases this. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells the parable of someone who was forgiven an enormous debt. But then he refused to forgive someone who was indebted to him for far less. In verse 21, it says, as a result, he was given over to the tormentors. This is, illustrates a spiritual truth that unforgiveness opens the door to torment. Just a word about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. We need to decide to forgive. We need to tell God that we are forgiving. And if the person against whom we hold unforgiveness knows it, we can express forgiveness to them. If they don't know, it's probably not it's probably better to say nothing. But even when we've made this decision and we've told God and maybe even the person of our decision to forgive, we can often still have the feelings of hurt and even anger. They don't fade away immediately. But they will in time if we continue to declare our forgiveness and surrender our ill feelings up to God in prayer. As we obey his word, he offers us peace in place of torment. That's the second thing God gives us enough of, his mighty peace. Receiving salvation from God doesn't just give us peace with him, but it brings his peace into our everyday lives. Isaiah 26.3 declares, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. This verse has been a favourite of mine for many years. Sometimes I need to treat my mind like my dog. Stay! Because it wants to wander off. In my younger years especially, I was plagued with thoughts of fear and dread. When we catch our minds doing this, no matter what its inclination is towards, we need to rein in our mind and make it focus on God, his word and his promises. Promises like Philippians 4, 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How often I've heard people say, I should be so worried, or I'd normally be freaking out, but I'm not. I feel so calm. That's how we can be when we've learned to put our trust in God. Today can be a turning point in your life if it's peace that you need to receive from him. Once again, God wants us to pass on what we've received. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, and he knows it can be very difficult, as much as depends on you, live peaceable with all men. The verses previous to that give us some hints as to how this can be achieved. God says, don't be high-minded. Associate with the humble. And don't be wise in your own opinion. I'm sure we've all met people who's only, only room for one opinion in the room. God says, don't be like that if you want to live peaceably. Nor repay evil for evil. There's that forgiveness again. Once we make our peace with God, set about making and keeping peace with others, we become more aware of God's gift of patience. Ouch, patience, a gift? I don't think most of us think it is. Our dictionary says that patience is good-natured tolerance of delay or incompetence. Its twin, long-suffering, says patiently bearing continued wrongs or trouble. God extends such patience and long-suffering to us. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not late with his promise to return, as some measure lateness, but rather his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you, because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God is patiently waiting for mankind to come to him. But he's also so patient with us as we grow in our walk with him. Romans 2.4 tells us not to think lightly of the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience because it is these graces that lead us to repentance which just means a change of mind, which leads to a change of behaviour. This is the opposite of many people's concept of God. His kindness, his patience with us, is what encourages us to want to change and be like him. God also gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit, who he says will grow fruit in our lives. One of these is patience. The more we surrender to him and allow the Holy Spirit to take control, the more readily the fruit of patience will grow. Once again, being recipients of God's patience, he wants us to be patient with others. In Ephesians 4 verse 2, Paul implores us to walk worthy of Jesus, showing tolerance to each other with humility, gentleness and patience so that we can build a bond of peace. I think that's a beautiful verse with our theme for destiny being together. We're not just all in the one place, supporting the one cause, but as we 
treat each other with godly humility, gentleness and patience, we build a bond, a bond of peace. Colossians 3.12 tells us to put on or clothe ourselves with tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness and long-suffering and to bear with one another. That can be a tall order too. How often do we hear or even say the expression, I can't bear that person or I can't bear that situation? Long-suffering is obviously suffering over a long time. It's usually the case that people who require us to extend long-suffering to them are people who themselves have suffered over a long period of time. I'm sure we've all heard the expression, hurting people hurt people. My pastor once said to me, some people just need to be loved and accepted for as long as they've been unloved and not accepted. God wishes us to extend the same grace to them as he grants to us. Does this mean we should put up with bad or offensive behaviour forever? No, Titus says that we should convince, rebuke, exhort and teach, but with long-suffering. That is, it's how and with what attitude we bring correction to people's lives and address their issues. Another of God's more than enough benefits is perseverance. Again, this may not seem like a gift. (laughs) Romans 15, 4 and 5 says, Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant that you be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Like all God's gifts, we must use and develop them. In Luke 8, 15, when telling the parable of the sower, sowing the seed, the word of God, sorry, sowing the seed of the word of God, it says that those who held fast to the word that they heard bore fruit with perseverance. Who knows fruit doesn't grow overnight? Sometimes you plant a fruit tree, it can take years for that fruit to develop. And so it is with our lives. We want to see God's fruit in our lives. We have to persevere. Titus' first epistle, verse 11 of chapter 6, he tells us to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, gentleness and perseverance. It's not something that we sort of think of as a big deal in the scale of Christian life. But as my husband frequently says, the biggest church in Australia is the used-to-goes. Sadly, those who didn't find enough of God's grace to persevere when things get tough or uncomfortable or awkward. The next grace that God has more than enough for us to enter into is power. God's mighty power. He gives power to save. We've already covered it, God granting us pardon. But I love that he says, even then, he gives us the power to do that. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. 
What an astounding statement that the King of Heaven counts us as his children. This avails us of his amazing power and authority. Some people, as I mentioned before, believe that they are too far gone. But Hebrews 7.25 says that he is able to save us to the uttermost, to every last area of our life. He's able to bring the touch of salvation. I've met many people, well, maybe not many, but a number of people over the years who go, no, it's too late for me, I've committed the unpardonable sin. Which, if you've never heard of that, says that it's, it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Theologians cannot agree on exactly what that looks like. And it seems to me that most people who think they've done it, haven't. (laughs) And if they have, they're probably too arrogant to believe they have. I believe that if you think that you've committed the unpardonable sin, it's actually that your heart is so tender and your conscience so wanting to be clear before God that the enemy has used that to make you vulnerable to his dastardly condemnation, which I spoke about at Easter time. God can save you to the uttermost. God will give you power to enter into his salvation. And he gives us power to be kept. Again, you've probably heard my husband say that When he first came to Jesus, he didn't believe he was capable of living a Christian life. But you see, God promises to help us. Psalm 121 verses 5 and 7 say, The Lord is our keeper. He will protect us from all evil and keep our soul. And again, 2 Thessalonians 3.3 reads, The Lord is faithful, who shall establish you. And keep you from evil. Jude gives glory to God, who he says is able to keep us from stumbling and present us before God's throne without fault. So God will give us the power to be kept. He also gives us power to be healed and to heal others. The Gospels are full of the accounts of Jesus' miracles that he did here on earth. Hebrews says that he's the same yesterday, today and forever. In 1 Peter 2.24 he quotes the passage from Isaiah which says that by the stripes which Jesus bore he made provision for us to be healed. Healing's not always instant. We need to apply God's faith principles believing before we see, reciting and rehearsing God's word and holding to a good confession. It's cool to ask for prayer and to tell people what we need, but if we continually say things like, oh, this is killing me, then it probably is. God wants us to hold a good confession and line our words up with his word. Then in Luke 9, 1 and 2, it says that Jesus called his disciples together 
And then he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then Mark 16 tells us that all of us, those who believe, we can also lay hands on the sick and see them recover. And uh, it's one of the things that I've been really feeling God is impressing upon me and I think others that I've spoken to that we need to press in, find his power to bring healing to people's lives just like Jesus did. He also gives us power to be delivered and to deliver. Jesus' ministry was also characterised by casting out of devils or demons from those who were bound and afflicted. Probably the best-known example is the man he encountered among the graves on the shores of Galilee, whom Jesus was able to see totally set free and sitting in his right mind. This power is something he says we can also demonstrate should we encounter them. Our power comes from knowing that we too have the authority of God our Father. I've met a number of people who believe that they had a demon power or a devil. But it's highly unlikely unless we've actually opened the door up to the occult or the demonic realm. Usually it is just a besetting sin or even really troubled emotions. Seeing God deliver us doesn't need to be a big deal like some people think. I've seen people set free just as they worship God. If you feel you need freedom, whether it is just like a sin that you can't overcome or you think it might be demonic, the first thing to do is to read your Bible, build yourself up on the word of God. Then ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew it talks about the man from whom devils was cast but then they came back and found the house empty, so moved right back in. If we want to get free and stay free, we must prepare our heart to be ready. So concentrate on the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And then, of course, come and ask for counsel and prayer if you feel you still need to take a further step into freedom. The previous verse we read when I read Mark 16 says that we too have the power to cast out demons. And lastly for today I want to share that God promises us enough provision. I shared initially that God promises us, promises us all the things we need for both our natural and our spiritual lives. In Philippians 4.19 it says, But God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The interesting thing when it comes to provision though is God reverses the order. In all the other instances God says, I'm giving this to you. Now you go and give that to others. But when it comes to provision, God says, actually, you give first and then I will use others to give to you. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may, may be food in my house. 
Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Pastor Jeff shared recently on flow. Following God's principles of giving produces flow. So we must learn not only to give, but also to receive. Some people struggle to give. Others struggle to receive. If we, ref- if we fail to receive the blessing God returns to us, we stop the flow and rob others of their blessing. Let's make sure that we are willing to both give and to receive. In closing, Psalm 103 verses 1 to 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I quoted Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 at the beginning and love to read it from the Message Bible. God can do anything, anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Today I want to give you an invitation to receive whatever it might be you feel that you need from God today. Pastor Jeff said a couple of weeks ago that he believed God was going to do miracles this morning. And what might seem like a really small step in the natural can actually have profound impact in the spirit. And believing the Holy Spirit will do that. What I'd like us to do in a minute is I've asked um, Leo, Leo and Kate have prepared these bowls and each one represents one of the points that I have spoken about today. Um, Tanya's just revealing the words. And I'm going to invite you to come forward as an act of faith and take a copy of whatever it is that you say you'd like to receive from God today. For the uh, sake of not having a traffic jam, I'd invite you to go down that aisle, out through the back doors and come up this way so that we're all going in the one direction and, and don't, um, don't get all mixed up. So the, the team are going to sing that beautiful refrain, Christ is enough for me. I invite you all to stand so that people can slip out. And as we sing, just come forward. Now, you might want to take one of all of them, or you might just want one or two.
whatever you feel God has spoken to you about today, that maybe, God, I need a bit more of that. You say you've got enough of that for me, but I haven't quite appropriated it yet. I'd love you to feel free to come forward and and take these little cards. They just have the word and a little scripture on the back for you to hold on to as your, your faith confession to God that today I'm receiving this from you. Thank you, team.
Jesus. I thank you for your amazing power. Your power to deliver. Your power to heal, to save. To help us grow in your grace. I pray, Holy Spirit, for each person who stepped down in faith today, claiming something for you, from you, that your mighty power will touch their lives, will bring the freedom that they desire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's been a privilege doing church with you this morning. I pray God has touched you. Um, and now we're inviting you to go and share his love with each other in the cafe. Um, I didn't see. If we ran out of words of anything that you wanted, just write on a Connect card. I need this and we'll make sure we get one to you. Uh, thank you for listening so attentively and God bless you. We'll see you either tonight or next week. <laughs>